Good morning. Welcome to Christ the Cornerstone. Thanks for being here today. Welcome if you're worshiping online. Let's stand together. We're going to sing a brand new song today about our gratefulness for all God has done in our lives. Wandering into the night, wanting a place to hide this weary soul, this bag of bones. I try with all my might, but I just can't win the fight. I'm slowly drifting, a vagabond. Turn me 
give the Lord praise. If He did it for me, He will do it for you. Whatever He's done for one of us, He will do for all of us. And He sent His only Son to die for us. He's picked us up and He's turned us around. That's what repentance is all about. Turning 180 degrees and walking in the other direction. Away from sin and towards God. And that's what He's done for us today. And He came a long way to get us. Amen? Father, we thank You for Your great love. You picked us up and turned us around. And Lord, we declare today, as we sang in that bridge a few minutes ago, hell has lost another one because we are free. Who the Son has set free is free indeed. And we thank You, Lord, for the freedom that we enjoy in You. And so God, today... We pray for the move of your Holy Spirit. Lord, open our hearts that we might receive from you all that you have for us today. In the name of Jesus, we pray and everybody said, amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. What a fun song. We've been waiting for a while to, um, uh, to sing that song. We actually started working on that song back in September and then the holidays came and and uh, we weren't able to do it, but we're so excited to be able to sing that song. And just the energy that, uh, that it evokes in, in me anyway uh, about how thankful I am that God has placed my feet on solid ground. Amen? I, I, just, I love that song in case you can't tell. And I hope you do too. Welcome to Christ the Cornerstone. Thanks for being here today. Uh, it's so good to see you in the house of the Lord. Thank you to those of you that are worshiping with us online. We want to extend a welcome to you and hope that God is blessing you right where you are. If you're new today, if you've never been to Christ the Cornerstone or if you've only been here a few times, we want to welcome you especially and thank you for being here today. Uh, online again, if you're new, uh, there's a place where you can click I'm new or you can fill out one of our connect cards. Uh, if you're new here today and you're in the building, when you leave uh, the sanctuary today after the uh, service is over, to the left-hand side out there in the mall area is our Connect Central. And uh, you can find out about all the ministries that we have going at Christ the Cornerstone. If you're new, uh, please stop by there. We have a free gift for you. And uh, you'll get to meet some, uh, of folks, some of the folks from our church and uh, find out about some of the things that are going on around here. Where you're seated, you have a Connect card that we ask you to fill out whenever you worship with us, uh, just so that we can know that you're here, and uh, because we miss you when you're not. And so we want to be able to know how to stay in touch with you. Also on that card, you can let us know about prayer requests and praise reports. And uh, again, as we say each week, we have groups that meet throughout the week. Uh, and we pray over those needs, and then uh, Pastor Vaughn's office sends out uh, a list uh, to, uh, to pretty much everybody, I guess. I don't know who it goes to now that I'm up here saying this. But anyway, if you have prayer requests or praise reports and you want us to rejoice with you or to pray with you, uh, we're excited to do that. Uh, so let's, we're going to take uh, just a couple minutes and catch up on some of the activities that are going on around our church. everyone, my name is Lynn. Welcome to CTC and thanks for spending part of your weekend with us. We have a lot going on at our campuses, so we want us to take a few minutes and get you caught up. We have three very important dates coming up concerning the disaffiliation process. On Wednesday, February 8th at 6.30 p.m., District Superintendent Joe Archie will lead another forum on the process. 
On February 18th, from 8.30 till noon, Reverend Mark Webb, a bishop in the Global Methodist Church, will speak to United Methodists concerning joining the Global Methodist Church. Then Tuesday, March 14th at 6.30 p.m. will be the night we vote on disaffiliation. All these meetings will take place at the Bear Campus. To learn more, contact either campus office. Hospitality and serving are some of the highest forms of worship. We deeply value everyone who serves to make our weekend services happen. We are in a transition period with our cafe and would like to have different people each week to cook and serve food. If you would like to know more or if you would like to serve in this ministry, please come and talk with me and I can share with you our vision for this. The Young Adults Ministry of CTC is now becoming Discipleship Connection. The group will fellowship weekly and study books of the Bible as well as other books. Monthly, they will host events like game nights, movie nights, and service projects in the community. Their current study is on the book Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. The group meets on Sundays at 2 p.m. To find out more, contact Rebecca Simpson at 302-494-7400. Thanks for being here today. Our prayer is that you leave feeling encouraged and closer to God. Please let us know if there's anything you need while you're here. You can find more information about all the events happening at our church by going to ctcde.church. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram to stay up to date. Have a great week. Welcome to Christ the Cornerstone. Good to see you. I'm Pastor Roger and so glad that you're here with us today as we're worshiping God. And that's our theme for today. And this Today we're starting a new series uh, based on worship. And uh, we're going to talk about that. What is it? What do we gain from it? How do we do it? And uh, why does God want us want us to do it? And all, all kinds of things about worship. But we're glad that you've joined us here today. Christ the Cornerstone where we love God, we love others. We serve God. We serve others. We engage one another in growing and praying together, supporting each other. But we also engage the world with the good message of Jesus Christ. And that's, that's you. That's you. Online, here in the room, it is our job as brothers and sisters in Christ to share the good news of Jesus with all people. I want to just highlight one of the, 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 the announcements that you saw about the small groups. Rebecca Simpson, a small group studying the book uh, by C.S. Lewis, uh, Mere Christianity. What a powerful book that is, and uh, uh, that that's would be a great study. If you're not involved already in a small group of people, uh, or if you don't have a handful of people that you rely on and they can rely on you, you need to develop that in your life, especially in your church. A lot of people come to a church and they might leave the church and say, well, nobody really knew who I was. Well, we each have to take responsibility for building these kinds of friendships with people in the church with which we can nurture our own lives and others' lives too. So every week we're hopefully highlighting or there's an opportunity for you to gather together with others. 
Let's, we, we also want to create a spirit of generosity here at Christ the Cornerstone. And so we have some scriptures that we use just to encourage each other to, to use our talents, to use our abilities. Let's read this scripture together as we remind one another. It says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. There's another scripture that says don't test the Lord. But here is God saying to his people, in this, put me to the test. I want to invite April to come up and uh, we're going to dismiss the children to go to the children's program uh, as I, as I, uh, after I offer this prayer and the team comes back to lead us in singing. So let's pray together. I invite you to stand with me as uh, we, we continue to worship and the children will leave. Let's give a blessing to the children as we pray for our service. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for all the children who are with us today. This is the family of God. And we've gathered together to worship you and to praise you. And so we ask you to pour out a blessing upon every young person here today. That they would be open to hear your word. That you would be with those adults who are going to lead them to explore and discover who you are. As we all learn, young people and adults, how to follow you as our Lord and Savior. We thank you for this opportunity. Come Holy Spirit, continue to guide us and lead us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. the God I serve knows only how to triumph and my God will never fail no my God will never fail and I'm gonna see a victory I'm gonna see a victory for the
battle belongs to you, God. We give you all of ourselves today. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. Oh, and you take, you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. Oh, and you take, you take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. Oh, and you take, you take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. Oh, and I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the taking the circumstances in our lives that we see as bad and using them for your glory and using them for our good. You go all the way back to the Old Testament. Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery. They threw him in a well and left him for dead. Because what the enemy meant for Joseph was for evil. But God turned it around. And in the end, he was elevated to a very high place in the government. And he was able to, when there was famine in the land, he was able to lead the people through that. So the things that God is doing in your life right now, where you think it's meant for evil, where you think the devil is coming against you, and he probably is. But what the enemy means for evil, God can turn for good. Well, I don't see how that's going to happen. Good. Because if we could see how it was going to happen, we wouldn't need faith. Right? But when we can't see how it's going to happen or what's going to happen, then we need faith. All we need to know is I'm going to see a victory. 
All we need to know is I'm going to see a victory for the battle belongs to you, Lord. There are all kinds of things in our lives that we look around and we see and we're, we, they, maybe they distress us, but they're not our responsibility. We won't answer for them. We don't, have to, we don't have to take care of those things. We see things that are good. But God, all this is up to you. And we're going to see a victory because of you in our lives. On the day of Pentecost, there were 120 people gathered in a room. Jesus, after he resurrected from the dead, he walked the earth for 40 days. And then he told those who were following him, go to this place and wait and I will send the Holy Spirit. And then the book of Acts It says that when the Holy Spirit came on them. In fact, Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be my witnesses. The power of the Holy Spirit means that we have power for witnessing. We have power to tell people. Because of the stories in our lives, you're going to see a victory. Because the battle belongs to the Lord. So Holy Spirit, today we pray that you would blow in this place with a fresh wind. Move among us, we pray in Jesus' name. Yeah. Hey. 
that we might move in you and walk in you. Move and walk in the things that you want us to do. God, because of your great love, it is the, that's the reason why we are here today. It's because of your love that reached all the way down to redeem us, to lift us up, and turn us around. Thank you, Lord. Before I spoke the word, you were singing over me. You have been so, so good to me. Before I took the breath, you breathed your life in me. You have been so, so have been so, so kind to me. 
couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still you give yourself away. And all the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. There's no shadow you love of God. From time to time, I share with you that almost every time we get to the opportunity to lead a song, a different part of one of the songs just hits me in a profound way. And last night, while we were singing this song, in part, we just sang in the bridge, there's no wall you won't kick down. Lie you won't tear down coming after me. Right? So now, let me ask you this question. What lie is the enemy telling you today? You're not good enough. You're not rich enough. You're not tall enough. You're not short enough. You're not talented enough. You don't have what it takes. What is the enemy telling you today that is keeping you from that face-to-face encounter with God. You want so badly to come into the manifest presence of God. And even as we go through this series in the next few weeks, this series on corporate worship, one of the things that we believe is that even in a corporate worship service, when we're all in this room worshiping God together, we can individually have a one-on-one encounter with God. No doubt. Because... 
God is always ever present, right? So he can be over here doing one thing and he's over here doing something else and he's back here doing something else. But we are all encountering him in some specific, profound way unless we believe the lies of the enemy that say you're not good enough to be in the presence of God. I don't know who this is for. Maybe it's for somebody online. Maybe it's for somebody in this room. But I feel it even strongly this morning than I did last night. The wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. So what is it that the enemy is telling you today? We all have this inner voice that's going on. People around here at the church know that at any point you can walk up on me and I'm talking out loud to myself. So I don't have the inner dialogue. It's all generally out in the open. But I'm always, there's this, there's always this stuff going on. And sometimes you just can't shut your brain off, right? But God says of us that we are beloved children. And we are enough because he's made us enough. God, you are enough, so we are enough. So today, help us to not believe the lies of the enemy. Help us to not believe the lies of the enemy that say we are not worthy to come into your presence because you have invited us. Lord, we thank you that you invite us all into your presence. And Lord, when we are truly in your presence and when we truly, genuinely worship you, We are changed. Last week we talked about this. I couldn't wait to give you this analogy that I came across. And so I gave it to you last week, but I'll give it to you again this week. Worship is like a coat. It's like a warm, it's like a warm outfit that you might wear to go skiing or something like that. If it's snowing outside, if it's two feet of snow on the ground. Remember last week I said that I love snow and I wanted two feet of snow. Well, we had to go to Pittsburgh for a couple of days and we woke up on Monday morning to three inches of two inches of snow. So thank you, Lord, for that. But I wouldn't go out in that in sandals and shorts and a T-shirt, right? I would get dressed warmly in all the warm clothes and the boots and the pants and the coat and the hat and the gloves. Now, what is... We asked you this question last week. What is not different about those two scenarios? The weather. What is different? Us when we put the warm coat on. So when we worship God, yeah, the enemy is still going to say those things. It's not a magic formula. We start worshiping and the voices from the enemy stop because they don't. If anything, they get louder. But when we have that coat on, that code of worship, we allow him to take care of the weather. Whatever the weather is in our lives. So God, we thank you for that today. We pray for Pastor Roger as he comes to bring this first message in our new series today. We pray that the Holy Spirit would move through him and that you would just continue to flow in this room, Holy Spirit. We welcome you. We ask you to make us new today before we leave. This we pray in Jesus' name and everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. You may be seated.
Worship is the thing that we're doing and we're already in. We are in the presence of God this morning. And I hope that you have brought yourself to be in God's presence. I want us to think about uh, ancient days. I want to set a context uh, for us before we read some scripture this morning. And that context is that the people of God, the Israelites, had been conquered over and over and over again. The place that God had told them to worship in, the temple in Jerusalem that had been built and where they had worshipped for generations, is now destroyed. The city walls that protected them have been torn down. Families have been pulled apart. The king of Babylon had taken the smartest, he had taken the most skilled workers and and forced them to walk thousands, hundreds or thousands of miles perhaps to be in service of the king. And back home in Jerusalem, he didn't care. And that, that existed for hundreds of years in Jerusalem. Finally, a man named Nehemiah went to the king and said, Would you let me go back to Jerusalem and let us rebuild the city so that we can worship the Lord? And the king had favor upon him. The king had favor upon the Israelites, not because he just changed his mind, but I believe because God was using the king for God's purposes, even though the king didn't know it. God has that power. God does that. Still in our world today, uses, as we've sung before, what we think can't be used for good, God still uses it for good. We've got to trust that. And and we can trust it to the point that we can act on that truth. God is going to use this for something good in my life. So Nehemiah had permission from the king of Babylon or Assyria, I can't, I got, don't, don't check me, don't fact check me on that. The truth is, <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar, or, uh, Nehemiah had permission from the king to go back and rebuild. And so he went back and he led this rebuilding. And as they rebuilt the city of Jerusalem, sometimes the enemies kept coming at them, trying to prevent them from rebuilding the city. So that here was one worker putting a stone in place here and putting the mortar around it. Or maybe he was carving a doorpost or a door or something. And there was a soldier right next to him protecting him from the enemy. That's how they had to work. The enemy and God We're right there in the midst of it working together. There are times in our lives when that is the truth of our life. And don't forget that God is right there too working. And there may be angels, there may be others sent by God to protect you so that you can do what God has called you to do, even though all around you is all kinds of evil trying to prevent you from doing it. Stay faithful to the task that God has called you to do. So finally they were allowed to rebuild and they, they worked through this and they rebuilt the, the, the city walls and then they began rebuilding the temple and then the priest said, it is time for us to gather together to worship and hear 
what God has to say for us. And in those days, the scriptures that they had were the Old Testament law. And they were not only rebuilding their city, they were rebuilding a society, a community. And how do you do that? Just like you put up boundaries around your city wall, just like when we have our households, we put up boundaries to shelter us, to protect us, to make a space that is safe for our children. In a less literal sense, God provides His law, His directions, His rules, in order to create a community of people who follow And experience what He wants. You can't have what God wants in your life without following the ways of God for you. So God provided to them His laws, His rules. This is how I want you to live your life. Trust it. And so they gathered together. And in Nehemiah chapter 9, we begin reading what happened when the people gathered together. And as we begin this series on worship... We're just looking at it today, looking at a broad picture of worship. And I want you to be very observant. And and I want you to take, if you're uh, here in the room, take that piece of paper that's got the announcements on it in the middle of your table or that was on your chair when you sat down. Flip it over because it's got a space there for you to write some message notes. And and, And I have an unusual message today because it's got five, five points and... You know, if you know anything about preaching, you know that I don't usually have five points. I like stories <laughs> to tell stories. But I make it a little simpler to take notes today, uh, five points. But we're going to start with this, this big picture of what happens in worship when people come into the presence of God. And we're going to look at an experience of that from Nehemiah chapter 9. So I've set the context. The people had been cast all around. They've come together. They're finally getting a sense of rebuilding their city and also the community, the society. And verse 1 of chapter 9 says, On October 31st, now this wasn't Halloween, that hadn't been invented yet, the people assembled again. And this time they fasted and they dressed in burlap and they sprinkled dust on their heads. All of these symbols are symbols of coming into the presence of God with the most humility that they can come with. And they're not dressed. Some of us remember the old Lucy, I Love Lucy episode where she was in Paris and and she and Ethel wanted to wear the famous, the, the, the most recent fashions. And so they wore burlap dresses thinking that that's what it was. That's not what these people are doing. These people are wearing burlap because it's the cheapest, it's the least expensive, it's the most uncomfortable, but it's all they could afford. It's a sign of humility. They put dust on their heads as a sign that of dust we came and to dust we shall return. It's a a sign of their humanness and they're coming into God's presence with humility. Why? Because God is so great. But look, in, in their humility... In their humanity, they do not neglect coming into the presence of God. And we need not be afraid to come into the presence of God, regardless of what is happening in our lives. Just come into the presence of God. He is long-suffering. His love endures forever and He is full of mercy. He will not kick you out of His presence. We're the ones who remove ourselves 
in the presence of God. So they came, and those Israelites, those of Israelite descent, separated themselves from all foreigners as they confessed their own sins and the sins of their ancestors. We live in a world today where we recognize the sins of our ancestors and some of us are saying, well, why do I have to confess that? I didn't do that. And yet there's consequences from the sins of our ancestors that we've got to be honest with God and with others about and say, that was wrong. I'm sorry, God. We're going to do better. That's what the people are doing. They come into the presence of God. They're not afraid to show themselves in their humanness because and they're not, they're not afraid to confess their sins. God, I've done this wrong. Look what they've done. Verse 3, they remained standing in place for three hours. Ooh, we're not going to be here that long. While the book of the law of the Lord their God was read aloud to them. And then for three more hours they confessed their sins and worshipped the Lord their God. They heard the Word and then they responded. And the response to hearing the purity and the truth of God is our own confession. You're supposed to come into worship. (laughs) Hear the truth of God and be confronted with your own humanness. I'm going to see there are other places. The Levites, that's a tribe of Israel, who are called to be the priests. And they list the names. The Levites, Jeshua, Bani, Kadmiel, Shabaniah. I don't know how to say these Hebrew words. Bani, Sherebiah, Bani, and Kanani. Stood on the stairway of the Levites and cried out to the Lord their God with loud voices. And then the leaders of the Levites, Jeshua, here we go again, Kadmiel, Bani, Hashabaniah, Sherebiah, Hodiah, Shebaniah. Did I say that right? Yeah, who knows how I said it. I should have taken Hebrew. Pethahiah. Called out to the people. So, so here's, the, here's the role of the priests. To stand in the intermediary between the people of God and God Himself. And the priest looks to God and speaks to God. And then the priest turns to the people and has a word from God for the people. Stand up and praise the Lord your God, for He lives from everlasting to everlasting. I've just been in the face of God, and now I'm turning to you saying, He is alive forever. And they, then they prayed, May your glorious name be praised. May it be exalted above all blessing and praise. You alone are the Lord. You made the skies and the heavens and all the stars. You made the earth and the seas and everything in them. You preserved them all and the angels of heaven worship you. You are the Lord God who chose Abram and brought him from Ur of the Chaldeans and renamed him Abraham. When he had proved himself faithful, you made a covenant with him to give him and his descendants the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Jebusites, and Girgashites. And you have done what you have promised because you are always true to your word. 
And we, we, we hear God's Word today. And, and, and we, have the, we have the brazenness to say, oh no, we humans have the ability to rewrite that. It doesn't matter if we rewrite Scripture. We cannot change the truth of God. <laughs> we cannot change God's truth. During World War II, the Archbishop of Canterbury, his name was William Temple. He was Archbishop of Canterbury from 1942 to 1944. And, and, and I imagine London during World War II. I can only imagine London during World War II. The Blitzkrieg and the bombing and the sending the children north out of the out of the city to the safer places, leaving everyone. That's very much like what Jerusalem had experienced. People full of fear, families separated. And so William Temple, the Archbishop of Canterbury, defined worship with five characteristics. And so I put them before us today. These characteristics of worship, I'll, I'll, I'll list them, and then we'll go back and talk about each one of them. Worship has these characteristics and these effects in our life. It's the quickening of the conscience by the holiness of God. It's the feeding the mind with the truth of God. Purging the imagination by the beauty of God. Opening the heart to the love of God. And devoting the will to the purpose of God. Now let's go back and we'll unpack each one of those statements. And first he said, worship is the quickening of the conscience by the holiness of God. We can see all five of these characteristics happening in the people of Israel from the story that we just read. But I want to go to another story. Quickening the conscience by the holiness of God. If when you come into the presence of God, whether it's in a church whether uh, like this, or whether it's in a traditional church, whether it's a cathedral, whether it's a house church, or if it's just your worship by yourself, if your heart is not quickened, if your conscience is not made alive, that's what quickening means. If, if your conscience isn't perked up, something in your life has got to say in the presence of God, I've got to change that. We all were born with conscience. But because of our sinfulness, we can mask over our, com our, our conscience so that it becomes insensitive to the presence of God. It's like, it's like uh, layers on an onion. And uh, in, in the center of that is, is who God created us to, to be. But every time we say no to God, every time we choose to disobey God, we're putting another layer of barrier between us and God. And after a while, we've got so many layers that my heart can't even sense God's presence. I can't even hear God. So I finally said, God, are you even there? Well, God is still there. But I'm the one that has layered my life with sin. To the point that I can't hear. I can't see. I can't feel the presence of God anymore. And so worship, every time we worship, layer of that onion needs to peel away until my heart can see the heart of God. My conscience 
is quickened. Worship ought to do that. Here's another story. Chapter Isaiah chapter 6 begins this way. It says, It was in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. He was sitting on, the, on a lofty throne. The train of God's robe filled the temple. Yes, use your imagination. <laughs> and attending God were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they flew. Even the angels, even the spiritual creatures of God, humbled themselves, covering their faces in the presence of God. I don't know why they covered their feet. I'm sure there's some significance to that. And with their other wings, they flew in the presence of God. And these beings were calling out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with His glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations and the entire building was filled with smoke. And then I said, remember, what's the response to being in the presence of the Lord? In this translation, (laughs) Isaiah says to himself, it's all over. I am doomed. Other older translations say, woe is me. (laughs) I am a man of unclean lips because I am in the presence of God. This is the man of God who is called by God. Standing in the presence of God, being humiliated in the presence of God, recognizing how great God is and how weak I am. This is what we experience in worship. It's all over. I am doomed for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies, quickening the conscience by the holiness of God, the purity of God. Second, it was the feeding the mind with the truth of God. Feeding the mind. Worship is not a mindless experience. We should engage our minds in worship also. It's not an an emotional experience in which we just dismiss our thinking and our rationality. God is a God of order. And so we can have logic in worship. We can think through as Pastor Bill chooses the songs for us to worship He is praying. He is thinking. What is the Scripture for today? What songs can we sing to bring us into the the presence of God? And and He and I put the music and the Scriptures and the actions and we invite you to come in and we've set the table for you. And all we're asking for you to do is, is participate in these things. Don't spectate. Don't sit back and just watch these things. Participate in these things with your whole being, your body, your mind, and your soul. That's what worship is. It's feeding the mind with the truth of God. So we go to Romans chapter 10, verses 1 through 4, in which Paul writes, Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. Now, Paul was talking about the role that he was, God called him to proclaim Christ to the people who God called through whom they were 
he was going to bring salvation to all the world, but Jesus came to save not just the Jew, but all people. But he came to save the Israelites too. And Paul says, For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God. They're excited for God. But their zeal is not based on knowledge. It's like they have forgotten the truth of God. They've neglected to think about God. They've allowed information about God to infiltrate their religion that was not true. And we've got to be careful of that. And since they do not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own righteousness, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Christ is the culmination of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Christ, Jesus Christ, is the way, the truth, the life. And third, we get to purging the imagination by the beauty of God. Purging the imagination by the beauty of God. What's in your imagination? When you've got nothing to do, when your mind is allowed to wander, what comes into your mind? Is it all good things of God? Does your imagination need to be purged? And, 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 and when something is purged, it's not a vacuum. Something replaces it. Worship allows us to purge the unholiness of our imaginations and replace it with the holiness of God. The purity of God. The character of God that is set apart. That's what holy means. Holy means to be set apart, to be distinct, to be pure, to be clean. Are your imaginations clean? Are your imaginations pure? Are your imaginations righteous? Are your imaginations good? Do your imaginations lead you to love? Joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, generosity, self-control. I'm listing the fruit of the Spirit of God in worship. In Second Chronicles, there's this verse, Second Chronicles chapter 20, Jehoshaphat is the leader. He's the king. And he consulted his people and then he looked at his people and he appointed those who should sing to the Lord. <laughs> I'm going to take the authority as, as, as the, the leader of the church. And I'm, you're, you're a singer. Matt, get up here and sing. Brandy, you're a singer. Get up here and sing. Uh, uh, Darren, you're a singer. Get up here and sing. Oh, no, not me. <laughs> but I like that idea. Here's Jehoshaphat saying, no, no, no. You sing. You sing. I don't care if you can sing or not. Get up here and sing for the Lord. And do it for the Lord. 
He said, He appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army. They were saying, praise the Lord, for His mercy endures forever. I read the New King James Version of this. And if you, if you use the King James Version, you need to know this in your, in, in your English King James Bibles, that when you're reading the King James Version and you come to a word that is italicized, that word in the original language is only implied. It's not an actual word that's present. And I want to reread this passage in the, in the King James Version. It says, praise the Lord for His mercy endures forever. There's a word in that. The word endures is italicized, which means it's not in the original language, but it is absolutely implied. And it's in the meaning. And in our English language, when we translate it, we have to, we have to insert this word so that we get the meaning of the original language. So I'm going to read it without the word. And it almost you can hear the forcefulness of what they're saying. Praise the Lord for His mercy forever. <laughs> we don't even need the word endures. Praise the Lord for His mercy forever. You get it, right? So, where are we? Worship quickening the conscience. Feeding the mind, purging the imagination with the beauty of God's holiness. Fourth, opening the heart to the love of God. Opening our heart. You know what? In the presence of God, we're safe. It's a safe place for us to open our hearts. God already knows what's in your heart to begin with. So unveil it. Open it up. Let God see and be honest. And we read from Psalm 51. This is, this is King David's confession after he'd been caught sleeping with Bathsheba, plotting to kill her husband so that her child with him would be seen as his. And he's confronted by God. And David prays to God, Purify me from my sins and I will be clean. Only you can cleanse me, God. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, God, give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. God does not intend for us to stay in that place of brokenness. Get up. Receive His forgiveness. Trust it, believe it, and rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins, he says, oh God. Remove the stain of my guilt. Don't just take my guilt away. Take away the stain of it. I don't want any trace of my guilt. Some of us are living in the stain of guilt. We say, oh yes, Jesus died for my sins, but I'm still going to punish myself because I can remember my sins. Let God remove the stain of guilt from your life. Create in me, oh God, a clean heart. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from Your presence and don't take Your Holy Spirit from me, O God. And finally, the last characteristic of worship that William Temple reminds us of is devoting our will to the purpose of God. We read Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, And so, dear brothers and sisters, 
I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let your bodies be a living and holy sacrifice. The kind that He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I'm going to end with that word perfect. We need to understand that this word and many other times when we see the word perfect in the Bible, it doesn't mean that your cookie cutter perfection, our, our consumeristic world has not served us to understand God. So don't apply the expectations that you have for going to Chick-fil-A in, in uh, Bear, Delaware, and then going to Chick-fil-A in Tampa, Florida, and expecting the perfect chicken sandwich. Don't apply that expectation to one another. Because God is not Chick-fil-A. God is not McDonald's. Thank you very much. God is not Burger King. God is not the business world that expects uniformity across every store of every business. That is not what this perfection refers to. We're all different. We're all created. We all are called to serve God's will, but we don't all have the same abilities. We don't all have the same ways of thinking. We don't all have the same ways of speaking. But we all are called to devote ourselves to the will of God. And in doing so, we will learn to know God's will, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Not just to God, but to ourselves and to others. Good and pleasing. I'm going to use another word, mature. And just as I keep using this illustration, it's simple to understand, but think of fruit. An apple, an orange, a strawberry are mature when they are at perfection. Or when we say they're at perfection, they're at their full maturity. God wants you to be fully mature as He intended you to be. In sin, you cannot do that. And so we need to worship. We need to let God purify us by the renewing of our minds. We worship to quicken the conscience, feed the mind, purge our imaginations, open ourselves, our hearts to God, and devote, commit, surrender our will to the will of God. It's my invitation for you this morning. Five things. Which one speaks to you most clearly? Which one do you need to take some moments to pray about? You need to confess your sins before God. Trust that Jesus' death on the cross cleanses you, removing the stain of the guilt of your life. Let's stand together as we continue to worship our Lord, if you're able. And let's sing. And let's pray. Let's worship the Lord during this song.
I invite you to come and kneel and pray or stand and pray or go to one of the prayer stations or make uh, request prayer online or send us an email or a text saying, I need prayer as we sing this song and continue to worship Him. Heavenly Father, we come into Your presence. We're human. We present ourselves humbly. You know our hearts. We need not fear You, God, for Your mercy forever. Amen. Sir said the altar area is open for you to come and to pray, but if you just want to come and worship, I was thinking last night as we were about to spend this time together at the end of the service at the Saturday night service, and the question came to my mind, and I have to ask this of myself also, when was the last time we stood in awe and wonder of God and all that He is? When was the last time that we didn't just rush past it and just come in and spend our few minutes here together and just go home? But we honestly took some time to take in the awe and wonder of all God is. I was getting ready for the service last night and I had to go back to the office. And it was about quarter to six, 20 minutes till six. And I went by the front door where you come into the office and Carolyn was standing over there. It's not a bad illustration. Uh, I didn't get her permission, though. She was standing there at the door just gazing. And I was like, oh my, what's wrong with her? And she said, have you seen this sunset? It's incredible. She just took a few minutes to stand in awe. And I love sunsets. If you see my photo, if you see my camera or the, the photos in my phone, I love to take sunset pictures. And you just get in that moment and you don't want that moment to end. Because of how beautiful it is. I believe that God wants to to come into His presence in that way. So as we sing, right where you are, you can worship. Down here at the altar, you can worship. If you're worshiping online, right where you are at home. But God, we just want to worship You. We want only You in our lives. I'm caught up in Your presence. just want to sit here at your feet. I'm caught up in this holy moment. I never want to leave. Oh, I'm not here for blessing. Jesus, you don't owe me anything, but more than anything that you can do, I just want you. And I'm sorry. When I've just gone through the motions, I'm sorry. I just sang another song. Take me back to where we started. I open up my heart to 
and I'm sorry when I come with my agenda I'm sorry when I forgot that you're enough take me back to where we started I open up my heart to you I'm caught up in your presence I just want to sit here at your feet I'm caught up in this holy moment never want to and in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, we want to spend our lives worshiping you. In this room, out of this room. Everything about us, worshiping you and honoring you. Lord, send us from this place today with your Holy Spirit, teaching us how to be in your presence. In the name of Jesus. When you need to go, you can go. Altar is still open for prayer. Still, folks at the prayer stations, if you're online, you can still reach out to someone for prayer. God bless you. Thank you for worshiping today.